0: speeds! Hey Mark.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Focus Pooler at Work podcast. My name is Bradford and today we'll be getting to know David Ishida, a first AC based out of Minnesota in the United States. DI got to share about how he got into the industry as an AC after starting out working in a rental house and then making the transition through indie movies and commercials. We'll get to dive in and hear that and much more of what makes DI passionate about being a first AC on this episode. Thank you for joining us today. All right, so I'm here with David now. Glad to have you. Thank you very much for having me, Bradford. Really appreciate being on. No, nah, this is a, it's a fun thing to be able to do with, just with a bunch of different uh, ACs and a bunch of different people from the community, man. Um, so I think just so everyone knows uh, who you are and, uh, and what you do in film and all that stuff, let's, let's start out with uh, just who you are and how you got in the industry.
0: Yeah, so so my name's David Ishida, but I I go by DI on set. Um, I'm I'm up in Minnesota, is where I primarily work out of, and there's a lot of Davids around. I'm pretty sure we could crew an entire shoot just with Davids. Uh, so when I when I started out, my my first step into the industry was working at a rental house in town, which I know at this day and age is like a really old school way of, of getting into the industry of starting at a rental house. So I started at one here called Cinequipped and there was already a David there. So to make it easier for customers, I went by DI. So I've been doing that. That's amazing. But it's it's short and concise, you know? <laughs> yep. Very simple. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I started out at a rental house. I was the camera technician, so it was a, a great great way to be introduced, just being able to get hands-on with, like, every single piece of gear that, you know, camera, camera assistants would be using on set. So I, I worked there for three and a half years, and then an opportunity came up to work on an indie feature here in Minnesota, and I had been starting to slowly look for a a way into the freelance world and and the camera assistant side of things and this opportunity arose
1: and I I jumped on it and have been freelancing ever since that's that's amazing man Do, so So when you jumped onto that uh, indie feature, did that lead you mostly towards narrative stuff or was that more like you kind of did some narrative and then you like did a lot of commercial on the side or was it still like a transition where you stayed in the rental house for a little bit longer?
0: With that, I I jumped into full on freelance from that moment and I was really lucky and I really don't take this for granted is I got to jump in as uh, the second AC for, actually I was technically the second AC for both A cam and B cam, but I was mainly with mainly with b cam and so i got to go right into the camera world i didn't like go and do PAing or anything like that to start out so i I don't take that for granted that i got to skip that step that most people do with that for the next six months after i made that transition i worked on five indie features in that span and unfortunately i've not worked on a single indie feature since Uh, up, up here in minnesota it's primarily uh commercial and corpo Uh, corpo doc work up here there's a lot of indie features and they're having more and more indie features so i hope that will continue and i can do more narrative again because narrative is really what i love
1: no that's that's amazing man i think i think it's kind of that's how it works with like every sort of like feature it's kind of like you get onto one and then you meet someone there who gets you onto another one and it's kind of Mm -hmm. just like this fun snowball effect uh but no it is uh it is like that's what i love to do i love to work on features and as and that's like just where my heart and Passion is as well, so it's. I'm glad that you were able to just like get in with like a bunch of people right at the beginning and dive in with all of that stuff. Um, yeah. So obviously, I think that like so much of what we do in uh, in life and in you know our jobs and stuff, it's it's important to find joy in what you do. Um, you don't have to love your job every single time. I, we all <laughs> go through like these terrible experiences, but I think that there's like important to be able to find ways that you can like focus on something, find something to pull away from it, positive or negative or what not to do next time. But yeah. What is it that you've gotten to enjoy about your journey as an AC?
0: I I really love being so hands-on with a very integral part of any shoot being the focus. Um it's it's a very well, not all the time, but it's a subtle, it's a it's a subtle thing that is very important. And being able to get that that I, I get a great satisfaction in having that very hands-on thing. Uh, the the way of influencing well not really you know the DP obviously makes the call on how they want focus pulled of course but being that hands on with it I find really really satisfying um, and you know I get a lot of appreciation my wife hates me a bit because we'll watch be watching a movie or something like oh did you see that pull that AC nailed it on that one oh my goodness that's a tough shallow depth of field shot and so she you know she smacks me and tells me to be quiet and watch the movie. But, but that kind of be, being right there and also being right at the elbow of the DP so often and getting to see how DPs work and how the gaffers work. I, I feel like I have front row seats to how a project comes together, whether it be commercial or, or corpo doc or, or narrative. Um, it, it's just a lot of fun.
1: Is there, is there any part of that, that like, backseat that you enjoy the most, like, whether that's, like, the lighting side of stuff, or do you enjoy, like, how the DP is navigating, how he's creating his shots? Like, what is it that you really like to pull away from all that stuff?
0: I like seeing how the DP, how it's all coming together in the DP's mind seeing like you know them like just leaning over to the gaffer and, and saying like oh i want you know move this over here or, or you know get me some uh get a flag over there and then seeing that be married with the camera movement when when they come over to me and it's like okay we're gonna land camera here and this will be the move and i want you to pull focus go rack from here to here um or follow the action and seeing all that come married together in the dp's mind is is just fascinating to watch
1: It really is. I I love seeing how, like, no DP will ever do the same thing as another DP. Like, I mean, obviously there's, like, rules that we kind of all, like, steer within. But I think it's really fun that, like, filmmaking is just in and of itself, like, this blank canvas for every job. Like, every DP is going to go about something differently. Every gaffer is going to go about something differently. The way that you pull focus is going to be the way different than the way that I pull focus. I think it's very fascinating about just, like, how it's just like this blank page and you kind of just get to watch everything unfold differently on each job so no there's definitely a lot of fun things to just like observe and pull in uh
0: absolutely and as, as you were mentioning too like the fact that being an ac you know i have my my main dp that i work with most often but we do get to jump around a bit with different dps and yeah seeing how different dp will approach what could be the same you know, the same basic concept, and they'll come, a, come at it in a completely different mindset or different, different style. So it, it's great that you get to see this huge swath of, of ways of doing, of doing things.
1: So I guess, uh, pivoting from that, I guess, what are some ways that you like to try to set up your DP for success then?
0: I, in my goal when I'm firsting is to make sure that the DP doesn't have to think about camera ever. Um, I don't want them to worry about if the battery's dying, if the card's full, where the camera is. Um, I, I try and make sure that my, my set ears are always tuned to the DP's voice, um, so that you know when i start to hear oh like oh i think we're going to land camera over here or oh i actually may want to switch to a different lens um i want to be ready for that you know i I try not to preempt you know because you know decisions change on set all the time and they change their mind which is always totally fine but i always want to be ready for that so you know the the moment they they look with that you know ready to make a decision i'm already like 30 percent of the way there to to fulfilling what they want and I also like another thing, you know, DPs, especially, you know, nowadays a lot, there's all this handheld stuff. You know, handheld, it seems to me, is really coming back into vogue. And you know if the whether the dp is you know putting the camera on their shoulder or has out an easy rig or whatever the moment cut is called i want to be you know make sure my station's set but go and get that camera
1: off the dp shoulder out of their hand so they're not having to hold it any
0: longer than they have to
1: oh absolutely i think that's like my goal as well where it's like as soon as it's cut like either i'm grabbing it my second is grabbing it or i've already yep. talked to the key grip to be like, hey, let's just make sure it's not, especially just because some of these some of these shoots are getting a little intense. With just like, okay, cool, we're gonna go run a yeah. gun for twelve hours, and you're <laughs> like, man, the body is not meant to last that long for a whole career doing twelve <laughs> hours with this handheld.
0: Too true. Too true.
1: That is that is a uh, that is good to hear. I I'm happy to to hear that there's other people out there that are just like immediately as they hear cut, they're just immediately running to to try to help Absolutely. their DP's backs. Yeah. So I know that like you're up in Minnesota, um, but I, I know that like, I've seen that you travel a decent bit with some, of your, I obviously traveling's not happening much right now, but I know that right. like <laughs> all the snow stuff I'm sure is up in Minnesota, but I've gotten to see some fun photos from you <laughs> while you're out in like some luscious green places or you're out in some dunes. Um, so you travel a lot, I assume. And, uh, yeah. what, what are some, of, what are some of the favorite places or jobs that you've gotten to go and be a part of?
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty lucky with, with the amount of travel I've gotten to do, and, and I have gotten to do some fun places. Um, the the main one that that really always jumps onto into my mind is I had the opportunity to go with um, uh, my DP that I work with, Marcus Taplin, and and the director uh, Matt Genesis, and we flew down to Mexico um, to shoot this spot for the Silver the Silver Collective. I, I don't remember, but we got to go to like the middle of nowhere Mexico. Um, to this really small, small town, and it was absolutely beautiful. Um, We had these beautiful mountains. We had all this, you know, these people that were always – everyone was so nice and so friendly there. At one point, we went from this small town of maybe a couple thousand people, and we had to go film at the Silver Mine Worker's Mother's House, who lives in – I don't know if I can call it a town, but a – Uh, This group of buildings that was maybe this was maybe 20 people in this little cluster that was probably half an hour from this already small town and and being out there. And, you know, we're you're with this, you know, I don't know how best to describe it. But, you know, you're in this plane that has just dotted mountains uh, on the horizon. It was absolutely beautiful. And and being being there, we got to meet this wonderful old woman who doesn't speak a lick of English. You know, and I, I don't speak Spanish. So but she was just every every kindness that she could extend to us was there. And she made a beautiful you know meal for us, which I ate and I did not get sick, which was great. It's always great when you don't get sick on set. Uh but that's been one of the been one of the the most exciting places I've been to so far out there you know I've, I've had other opportunities to go other places um, here in the states as well I've done some shoots down in Texas done some shoots out in Montana uh, a, a while was it middle of last year uh, me and a friend we did a we did a little shoot we went out to white sands national park and it's an absolutely gorgeous you know it's a white sand desert and that's another. Ple- uh, any time that I can be out in nature, uh, and, and I'm sure with any any AC, like the idea of going out into like off off the trails, you can't get a cart. There's there's that you know panic, that cringe in the back of your head. The idea of lugging cases and things up and down sand dunes or up a mountain, but I I love it. And any opportunity to be out in nature and shooting, like location filming. You know, any any time, I I I love location filming.
1: I think I think that that's a it's a fun thing because it's like once you get out onto location and it's like you are cut off from like all the safety nets that like you know, being in a big city where the rental house is just close by, it's like all of a sudden it cuts all those safety nets and you immediately like have to like just be more intentional with everything that you're doing. And so I just think it's re- it, like mm-hmm. all the adrenaline starts going. It's really fun. Uh, I love, yeah. I love travel jobs whenever, uh, I get to be on them and whenever it's safe to travel again. But yeah, outside of ACing, is there anything that you really enjoy, uh, or passionate about in life?
0: Yeah. yeah, with that, as a, being out in nature, I absolutely love that. Backpacking and, and camping, at any opportunity I can, I, I love to do that. Here, here in Minnesota, we're lucky we have the Boundary Waters Canoe Wilderness um, up in the north, up by Canada. And, and going out there and portaging and just being able to, to take a step back and breathe um, for a time is, is really, really relaxing. And I have, find a lot of joy in that. And then uh, the other thing I do is I, I also like collecting props um, and p- props and prop replicas from movies is my my other my other big thing. I have I have a cabinet in my living room that is filled with, you know, Indiana Jones hat, my Star Trek phaser, my Back to the Future license plates, my Cross of Coronado. Uh, I'm trying to think what else I have in that cabinet. It, it, it's a growing collection. It's an ever expanding collection because, you know, it, way back when I was uh, what would have been. 11, 11 years old, 11 or 12 when, uh, when the Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring came out and we got, my family got the extended edition and I was a huge Lord of the Rings fan before this. And after my family sat down one evening and we watched the, all Fellowship of the Ring extended edition for the first time and it's beautiful and wonderful and I love it. And then my brother, my dad and I just stopped and we turned on the special features And i think we binged all of them that same evening which is about seven hours worth of content and that was the that was the clicking moment for me knowing that i wanted to work in the film industry i think you know you know you know as kids like you know we watch content all the time we watch tv shows we watch movies we see commercials and i think that was the first time i'm like oh right somebody has to make this content and and seeing that that camaraderie of the filmmakers on uh, the filmmakers and the crew, everyone on Lord of the Rings, seeing that camaraderie, seeing the passion they had for their, their work really is what clicked for me. And I think that also is what clicked having, having these prop replicas or props from, from movies that I care about because I identify so strongly with some of them. Like one of my favorite movies is Indiana Jones. And you know, one of the props I have is the fertility idol, the little gold idol from the opening of Raiders and it's cast from the original prop so it's like a second generation replica uh, from the original prop and it's really it's it's such a satisfying thing to be able to hold this little you know tangentially related piece of uh, of a movie that that means so much to me and i also I, I enjoy and i think part of this ties into my a scene is i end up doing a lot of research on these props like i don't just go and buy you know the first one that comes up on ebay or etsy or whatever any prop that i buy usually is preceded by about two to three months of research and learning about how many versions of this prop was made which version do I want why was something made this way were there changes made after the stunt prop was cast and it's that that fastidious uh, attention to detail and and some of that is what I bring into my focus pulling is like I want to make sure I have accounted for everything that I can account for and you know and, and with focus pulling as you know sometimes it's supposed to be a really precise thing you want to you want to do the move and you want to hit that mark you want to land right on the actor's eyes or right on their fingertips or whatever and and some, but sometimes you also like this, this has happened i think on two sets where we're, we're doing a take we cut the tp looked over at me and said di please be less perfect on this next take and that I it always makes me laugh when I think about that the idea of being less precise but you know it's the right call like that's that's the right call like you do sometimes you want a little float a little something you know you want to let the, the literally let the lens breathe a little bit and you want to see that the DP wants to see that artistically and yeah so that's something I try and tie in some of that that both that fastidious attention to detail but also wanting to make sure as with nature like there's sometimes a little time to breathe in the in the in the focus
1: pole no, that's a that's a that's a masterful transition there. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think that there's obviously a technical involvement. And like you said, like detail-oriented, you know, stuff with being an AC. What is there anything about that that like particularly like you love to just like dive into then?
0: Yeah. I, I One thing that I do enjoy is with that attention to detail, like, you know, preps, you know, the, the, the rental house that I, I do most of my preps, at here in Minnesota it's called Cinemechanics unbelievably awesome rental house highly recommend check out their website I'm not being paid for that plug but they're great they have an awesome selection and they're really great because at every single time that they rent out a lens they actually they check it every time I think as most rental houses do you know when it comes back and they check it again they check obviously for damage but they check the columnation as well and and some of that fastidiousness I try and make sure that I have when I'm doing a prep and you know th- they're it's not their tagline, but they're, one of their their joke things as many many rental houses do is you know, fix it in prep. That's where to catch those things. You wanna, you know, you don't wanna have any gotchas on set. And and that's where and with lenses because lenses I think are coming into this is gonna be a weird statement. I think lenses are coming into a new renaissance with filmmaking because you can do so much to change an image in post. You know, if we're shooting in log or we're shooting in raw, the post-production team, obviously in conjunction with the DP and the director, can do all sorts of things to change how something looks in post. But you can't change how a lens looks in post. If you're dealing with, you know, the soft focus fall off of a cook, you can't change that, you know, in post. You can't sharpen that fall off edge. And and with lenses, you know, looking at how each one acts and getting a feel for, how the focus on each one acts and looking at you know some some lenses you know what is their focus scale you know there's this one giving me you know a little more a little more time in the on the close focus distances than with this lens and and looking at that and so that i can be as best equipped as i can to to be able to know on set how how to react to how a lens looks and knowing like, yeah with the cook, yeah, like I, I can I can roll into a cook a little slower because because that focus roll off is a little nicer versus on like a Zeiss, you know you're shooting on a you know a, a master prime or whatever, and it has a bit more of a square fall off curve. and so I was like, okay, I need to land it right on, or else it's definitely gonna look look bad.
1: No, that's definitely true. I mean, I think that that's my favorite thing about just like, getting to know a lens is just like how so many of those little details, like you said, how the focus comes in and out and you know, just like what that lens feels like when you pull focus and just yeah, knowing how you want to like tackle the scene. No, I think, I think that that's all very, very fun stuff to be excited yeah, it, about.
0: Yeah. And, and the other thing that I think is interesting is, you know, probably with you as well. We, we, we came into this industry when like everything was going to wireless follow focus and, and you know, in wireless is great. You know, I, I I like that. You know, I can you know as with pretty much every yeah every DP I've worked with up here, they operate a cam themselves. So we we don't have an we don't have an operator between the DP and the camera. And I like that. You know, with having a wireless follow focus, I can be I can be a step back from the DP. I always try and be as close as I reasonably can because I want to be there. I want to have my set ears tuned to them so I can jump in immediately. But uh, one thing that I do miss because I on some occasions I have uh, pulled well you know I well, on some very rare occasions I pull off the barrel if I have to but also using the manual follow focus and I kind of miss a manual follow focus because especially with old vintage lenses like because when you have that manual follow focus you You get a feel for how the lens moves, you know, you, you know, you know, I think to like, you know, mark II super speeds Sometimes the you know, the the dampening oil in there like there, there's a little a little hard spot in the focus And like just having that tactile feel and being able to hit that moment and like okay I know there's a this this denser spot in the focus and i know i need a little more right there and i I like you you had that one-to-one connection with the lens uh you know there's the convenience of a wireless follow focus and i I do appreciate that but i do i do miss sometimes that that feel of being directly on pulling off a lens
1: yeah i think i started out for the first man i want to say a good while just pulling uh off of a a manual follow focus on the side and then even then like still Uh, obviously within this pandemic and this last year, it's kind of shifted a little bit, but I still try to like, I'll put like a monitor on the side there and I'll still, I'll, even if I am wireless, like I always try to pull off of the side of the camera as much as I can, just so i still feel that little bit of connection. There is something nice about being close to the DP. There's something about just being close to a lens, knowing when it like, like you said, sometimes like certain parts of the lens pull a lot faster than other parts of the lens. It gets a little stiffer and it's just like nice to, to know all that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah. I think I think that that is all that is all like you're speaking my language. I love all that stuff. <laughs> so much of being a successful filmmaker in any department on set is just building good habits. Um, what do you think some of those good habits are for you? Um,
0: a lot. The good habits I, I see are are having a plan, making sure that you've talked to the AD, talked to the DP, know where you can and can't be on set. So you're not getting in the way of of where the shot's going to be. And, you know, and also in the in a lot of the the commercial world when you're on location that can change you know they they have it planned out I the AD and the director and the DP but that can change Ho- hopefully <laughs> hopefully they have it oh yeah it. hopefully they most of the time they do but you know even with the plan it will sometimes change and they're like oh no we're going to go this way so making sure you're you're ready to be flexible and ready to to move if you need to uh, having those your set ears tuned into the DP's voice that that's another thing like I want to I want to be ready to hear anything that they need Ready for a lens change, you know, ready for a camera move. Oh, we're going to be switching to handheld, so I need to throw the spider grips on or whatever. Uh, Do they need water? That's another thing. Like, you know, you you want to keep your DP happy. You want to make your boss look good, you know, with any department. And, you know, I I know I have a bad habit on set of not drinking enough water. You know, we're surrounded by caffeine and soda and LaCroix and whatnot. And I don't drink enough water, and and I want to make sure that, you know, especially if I think, oh, I haven't had water in a while – my D P probably hasn't had water in a while too. So it's probably a good time to walk over and see if
1: they need something. <laughs> no, that's that's really good, man. I think I think that's like even I was working on this one western feature and uh that was like a game that me and my second and our operator just created for each other was to like we would just see how many waters we could drink each day. And like, you had to like tell everyone when you finished one and we would like take, sh- we would like make them into like a little ball and like shoot them that into the trash great. can and like made a whole shooting competition out of it. And it was like, Hey, if you want to take a shot, you got to drink a bottle. And so it just ended up like whoever wanted to make the most shots at the end of the day had to drink the most water. So it was, it was a fun way to that, stay that's hydrated, great. but no. that's great. Good building. Good habits. I think is, is so important. And and like you said, you know, just having set ears. And I think that like so many people like, Obviously, know that they need to be, you know, attentive and all that stuff, but, like, truly understanding what, like, set ears are is, like, a whole nother thing of, like, knowing, like, man, anticipation, I feel like, is so much more of being a first AC than actually pulling focus, like, knowing how to be there for your DP and knowing like, oh man, I know this is coming up next and knowing and having all that stuff ready. So I I think that that's a, that's a very fascinating point that like, I think a lot more people should, uh, should practice. And,
0: and, and you, as you work with, you know, as I started working in the industry and I, I was working with a lot of DPs and now that I've, I've been fully freelance for just shy of four years now, uh, you know, there's, I have a, a smaller circle of DPs that I, I work with more often and, and that's the other thing you know setting myself up for success is wanting to make sure and I try and I keep this in the back of my head with the DPs I work with regularly I making sure I remember what do they like on set how do they like their camera built how do they like you know things laid out you know when I was with my, my current DP I work with it took me I think I noticed it in about two days on my first big shoot with with him of I realized when I was building the camera in the morning I had without thinking had been setting the EVF to where I would put it because I I would shoot off my right eye realizing oh yeah my DP oh he's shooting off his left eye so making sure I have to put that that EVF further out and and position it better for for my DP that's something that I wish I had noticed earlier in my in my focus pulling career I, I hit myself that I took me so long to figure it out that i i need to be more attentive to some of those those little nuances like that little like it didn't take you know it did not take that much effort for the dp just loosened one screw and pulled the evf out but you don't want to add any more work to for the to the dp's plate than than you have to and and being attentive to those to those little things and making sure you can get to what they need quickly you know i i'm trying to do it my the dp i work with doesn't really use like a, a director's finder at all with shots but he loves using artemis artemis pro on his phone so i also make a point during my prep i make sure i also preload all the camera the, the the frame settings all the lens sets onto artemis so if my dp has put his phone down somewhere and he's suddenly like you know you know doing the the dp like lining up the shot with their eye i pull out my phone unlock it hand it to him and it's all set with the same thing so he can he can use that if his phone isn't isn't readily available.
1: That's amazing. I love it. I love it so much. Um so I guess going into like very specific moments on set is there is there a time or a mistake that you made on set that ended up like being a teaching or a teaching lesson or a very valuable lesson that you carried on with you for the rest of your
0: Yeah, yeah. I think double checking, triple checking, quadruple checking everything you can. The the first movie I did it was this indie feature called Georgia Rock. I don't think you can find it anywhere, but if you can, you know, you don't you don't need to watch it. But <laughs> 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 uh it's uh you know, in in indie feature and very fir- this happened the very first day on set is we were we were we were setting things up for the first shot. It's a two camera shoot and as I, as I mentioned, I was sort of second AC to both cameras. So I'm, I'm jumping back and forth a little bit. And I'm over with B-Cam and the B-Cam operator. And I think we were shooting if memory servers on FS7s. And the DP was like, oh, uh, can we please turn a LUT on for my for the feed to, to Village? And I'm like, oh, yes, I know where to do that. And so I went over quick and I, and I switched it to, to turn a LUT on for for village and we did the shot and then the b cam op you know we do the shot and we're moving on and the b cam up looks and says wait a minute on this camera isn't it a little weird with how lut works for the outputs and i go is it and so i went in and i realized with on the fs7 maybe they changed this in firmware but if you turn on the lut for the, like the sdi1 output it burns in that lut To the record, so like Mm -hmm. SDI one and the LUT are tied together. So for that opening shot, I had accidentally not recorded us on B cam in Sony Log or S Log three, whatever we were doing. I had burned in a seven oh nine LUT to it, and and I I felt horrible. you You know, the first day on set, I'm trying to make a good impression on all these people who have been in the industry for years longer than I had, and I had you know permanently messed up footage technically, and. So that, that taught me, the two things came from up from that. One, as I mentioned, was double and triple checking. Um, if there's a hair of doubt in my mind that I don't understand how something works or what a setting will do, I want to double check it, make sure I have it set right, um, and, and know, know exactly what it is I'm doing before I do it, um, or double checking it if I've already done it, because I don't want to do that kind of thing. And the other thing that happened was, I realized that happened because the beat cam op who's an amazing amazing guy um Dan Godar who currently does a lot of drone stuff um out in LA um a lot of works on a ton of Marvel films for with drones uh he he realized that mistake and I, I and I realized how how bad it was you know well in, in the end it wasn't that bad but I felt terrible so I said well I'm gonna go tell the DP I messed up I should I should go tell this person what happened and Dan Godar said no 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 no, I got this. I got this. And he walked over and he just, you know, he whispered. I don't, I don't know what he said. I wasn't there. He he whispered something in the in the DP's ear. DP, you know, he just said, okay, cool, fix it then, you know, something like that. And he came back and and that was and that was it. You know, I, I wasn't wasn't chewed out on set um, or anything like that. And and that 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 kindness from Dan in that moment of he 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 just without a thought said, no, no, I'll 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 take care of it. I'll, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go tell the DP. Um, what, it's something that stuck with me, and I want. I want to make sure that you know when I have a second on set, when I have you know a camera PA on set, um, I want to make sure that they have a good time on set, that they're not feeling you know you know jumped on because of you know they made if they made a little tiny mistake like that you know. I w- want to be there to make sure that I can be there for them and be a good a, a good boss, good good supervisor, making sure that they they're they're always happy. And and that they want to come back the next day is in, in that moment when I had like oh no I've burned in a lot like you know this is amateur hour for burning this in my thought is like okay well maybe maybe for a brief moment it's like maybe I should, should I be here maybe should I not be here on set like <laughs> that that kind of thing and oh, and, yeah. and having having that that cam op Dan step up and you know without without a second thought was willing to you know no oh, I'll talk to him and it'll be fine And it and it totally was and you know never made that mistake again
1: That's amazing. No, that's such a great story. I think it's like, like you said, there's something, there's something special about like being able to like navigate like the technical side of of filmmaking, but then also understanding that there's like, you know, there's a bunch of people that are involved in this, and there's a lot of human error that come into it, and like also how we navigate like going through those problems and like how we take care of each other on set. I think is such an important thing than just. I love, I, love, I love the human element of working in film, which is why I love working on set so much is that there's so many different people you come in contact with, cross paths with, yeah. and just like how you navigate a problem on one set is a completely different way than you navigate it with someone else. And I just think that that's such a fun way to figure out how you mold and shift your human relation mm-hmm. skills and, and all that stuff. But no, I love, I love hearing like other people looking out for other people and just being kind about it through the whole process. Cause I think that that's how we bring out the best in each yeah. other. Um, so I guess in that, in that let's like, talk, I would love to hear about your transition from like, obviously you started out, like you said, camera PA or, in, you know, second AC and then to a first AC um, like, how was that transition for you? How did that go? That went uh,
0: <laughs> very smoothly, all said and done. Uh, as I mentioned, you know, working working as a as the camera technician at a rental house, you know, I was very fortunate that I I met every single camera operator and every single DP that works in this town. Uh, so I already had really strong relationships. You know, being you know being a prep tech, you know, you you do get a really good sense of this problem solving. Um, That I think is really, really helpful because, you know, the the DP or the AC, um, you know, who's in there prepping, you know, they say, oh, I need to rig up this thing this way. So you're lucky because you get to be there to help solve the problem and also because you have every tool you can possibly have to solve that problem at your disposal, you know, fix it and prep. So it it really helps set up for being on set when you don't have every tool available to you to to be able to problem solve that. So when I when I was doing that transitioning, as I said, like I started out, you know, being camera PA, second AC kind of thing. Then I think the next movie I was on, I was the I was another camera PA third movie I was on. I was second AC again and then fourth movie, first AC and and first AC ever, first AC ever since first then. AC ever since then. And so again, it was very fortunate that I got to do that. And I, I made these strong relationships that, you know, got to carry me like right up to that within six months. I was, I was focus pulling regularly and you know, not that I wouldn't second AC again. I totally second AC for, for any, any of the first in town. I, I have no problem with that at all. I think second AC is also a really in its own way, a really fun and really rewarding experience. Uh, but it, it is nice that I did just get to jump into this focus pulling aspect um of things and and get that hands on with you know being on the wheel and and being with the dp so so quickly i think was very very fortunate of my my career path
1: is there anything that you wish that you got to experience more as a camera pa or a second ac because i know once you become a first ac you kind of are the department head and you kind of have to pull everything in from yourself and there's no one else there like telling you, hey, this is how you do this successfully. This is, You kind of just like do it the best way that you uh, know how to and from how you've gotten to see other people do it and you've gotten to take in all those leadership skills for yourself. So like, I know you jumped in right away. So was that learning curve like a really difficult one as far as like how to be a good leader? Or is there anything that you're like, man, I really wish I would have gotten to see other first ACs do this or handle this? a certain Yeah, way?
0: absolutely. Absolutely. In Up, up here in Minnesota, having a second is sometimes a bit of a luxury more often than not. I don't have a second at all. Um, it was starting to happen pretty regularly in 2019 and it was awesome. And then 2020 happened, And when you're reducing set size, one of the first jobs that any production will cut is the second AC. And, and because, because of my lack of time as a second AC, I do wish I had been able to see more firsts and there, their, their management, their supervisor style. Uh, is, that's one thing that, a, as a first, when I do have a second, I, I still am growing and, and expanding in how, how, I, how I manage a department. You know, there have been shoots when I have had a second AC and a camera PA or, you know, a loader type person. And I, I've noted in myself, in, you know, looking back on some of these shoots, oh, I should have taken another moment to think through this request because I asked for something... And they went off and got it, and then I realized, oh, I needed another thing from the same place, you know, from staging or wherever it was, and I had to make this person do it again. And you will know, go back and and grab this other piece of gear or or whatever. And I, I think I, I wish I had a little more time to see how other how other firsts take that those those management kind of decisions of how how we're going about things. And 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 take that moment to process and make sure that I can be as concise and make You know, not have to make more work than necessary for, for for my second or for my camera PA, and and that's something that when I have had um, a second AC, I try and I try and make sure that I can take teaching moments with them, and try tell them habits that I have gained as a first AC or what I look for in a second, Uh, because you know this is always this whole career is a one long learning experience. I I went to college for film, um, up here in Minnesota at Augsburg. Well, it's Augsburg University, but it's not a, you know, a, a film school. You know, we're, we're not, you know, I learned a lot of the, you know, you know the more artistic side of, of filmmaking, you know, of analyzing film and that kind of thing. But, you know, if, if I'm honest, I don't if I, I got out of college and if you had said go grab me a half apple, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have known what a half apple was <laughs> out of you know after four years in college. You know, our, our entire career is a learning a learning experience. You know, we never stop learning, no matter what. You know, an AC that's been at this for 45 years, I'm still still learning new things and expanding. And and any way that I can take teaching moments, and not every set allows for teaching moments. If I have a new second, um, sometimes sets are just really busy, and you just need to tell them exactly what they need to do, and and they just have to do it, and that happens. But anytime there's a moment where I can say, this is why I'm asking you to do it in this way. And this is why we do it this way. I I try and take those moments with with my second. There's a second AC I work with up here a lot, Hannah Germain, and I was very fortunate that I got to start working with her very, very early on in her filmmaking career professionally when she was just starting to go freelance. And it's been a, a wonderful, wonderful experience to see her Grow and gain more confidence as a second AC, and now she's starting to pull a little more often and, and be firsting a little more often. And it's been great to see 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 how she's grown and see both where some of my teaching moments have been helpful, and also a few where it's like, oh, I probably could have explained that a little better. Um, if you know, if there's questions that come up later down the line, and how how can I be a better teacher and a better supervisor for 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 my team?
1: I think I think that there's nothing more rewarding as a first AC than than saying something to your second AC, and then days later or moments later, the next time that you need that thing done, you already see them doing yep. it, or they're already ready with it. It's like, hey, every time I go from Steadicam to sticks, like let's make sure that we have this part available, and then like being able to go from Steadicam and I turn around and I see my second already waiting there with that, mm-hmm. or it's like, hey. We're gonna be in this emotional scene. Like, just make sure you have your bag over here. Make sure that you're ready to come in at this point and you're ready to change this mark. And then I turn around, I'm getting my focus mark, and then I look and I see my second already doing that. I'm like, that is that is the greatest reward Absolutely. for me is being like, Oh, I love I love when you get to see like somebody take that knowledge or that advice and be able to not only just like receive it, but also make it their own and then figure out how they perfect that and make that even better for themselves. Absolutely.
0: And, and, and those moments when you're like perfectly in sync with your team and like, you know, there's a couple of shoots when I've had a second AC and like a cam loader PA and it was like, you know, these beautiful moments of like, okay, it's a lens change and a battery change and it all came together. The lens came up at the right time. The battery came up at the right time, just as camera was shutting down and it was just beautiful. It was, it was a symphony. A symphony of, of perfect moving parts.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not a NASCAR fan by any means, but I love the side of like viewing like AC Department stuff, like being able to come in and be like a pit yeah. crew. And it's just like it's like all right. As soon as the camera cuts, we're like changing the tires, we're adding more gas, we're like doing everything, making sure all this stuff works, and then we're like out before anyone even notices. And then it's like all right, we're rolling again. Yep. And it's like you're good. So. No, that's all it's it is really so rewarding and so fun when everything kind of comes together so perfectly and everyone is just like without even having to say a yep. word. It's all oh, fun. Yeah. Alright, so I'm I'm curious then, what is what is the I know you didn't get to uh be under a lot of other ACs for very long, but what is the best advice that you were given by another AC?
0: So on I think it was, this would have been the fourth movie I worked on, this movie called Nina of the Woods. Which I think is really good. I highly recommend people watch it. It's really interesting, like sort of psychological, not thriller film, but it's a psychological film. It's good. Um, I was a second. that was I was a second AC on that one. I was working with this other AC named Martin Wheeler, and he gave me the advice that I've made sure that I've told every single second that I've ever worked with, and it's if it's in focus, don't touch the wheel. He said an expletive in there that I won't say on this podcast, but don't touch it. <laughs> and after he said that and I started looking at myself as a focus puller, I realized that I was doing this very mistake where I'm sitting there and it's like, it's in focus, right? Yeah, it's in focus. Is it? Buzz, buzz, buzz. Oh, nope. It was in focus and I've just buzzed in the middle, you know, in this take for, for no reason. Um, and, you know, just having that confidence and looking at the monitor and like, nope, it's in focus. Leave it. I, I don't need to to mess with anything. It's in focus where it needs to be. Obviously, if it's not in focus, of course, change it. <laughs> but if it's if it's in focus leave it don't 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 add a little buzz or anything in there
1: that's fun that's a fun one all right so let me let me just transition to some rapid questions yeah. um so you just tell me what you think and uh we'll just kind of go through a couple of these so do you prefer music videos or documentaries music videos. all right do you prefer pulling focus by eye or by monitor
0: i wish i could do it better by eye so by monitor
1: <laughs> that's fair that's fair <laughs> Uh, do you prefer LaCroix or do you prefer water? Uh, LaCroix. LaCroix? Yep. What flavor of LaCroix?
0: Anything except grapefruit.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay. I don't think it's even called actually grapefruit. No, on it's can, like Pomplamoose, it? I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you prefer wearing boots or sneakers?
0: Boots. Waterproof boots.
1: Okay. And then I think I know the answer to this one, but do you prefer indoor shoots or outdoor, outdoor shoots? shoots? Okay. Okay. And then last one, do you prefer a camera technical DP or do you prefer a lighting technical DP? Lighting technical DP. Amazing, I love, I love, I love hearing all those. Those are fun. <laughs> um, uh, so I guess, kind of like coming into like some sort of like conclusion for all this what are what are some of the goals uh for the future for you like is is first a seeing like the career dream or do you want to like continue on to operate or dp or
0: yeah long term end goal it would be to dp um i i love that i love as i said watching the dp work and that's that, that is really what i want to do um i'm starting to do a little bit more cam op cam oping. Uh, has been starting to uh, come up a little more often for me, really, almost in the last couple of months. Uh, so, so that that will be fun. But I think, in a certain way, I hope this is going to be a weird statement. I hope I will ha- always have opportunities to AC. Um, I love being that sort of invisible hand with the with sort of the image and how it looks and that that subtlety of of pulling focus I really enjoy. And I was listening to a podcast, I don't remember what it was. It may have been it may have been Art V Commerce, I think. I was listening to a podcast and a DP made a comment when this DP had gone from he had also been a focus puller or and then moved into DPing. And he made the comment that I thought in it was a kind of sad and it was like, you know, once I made that switch I like never work on set with another DP again because I am the DP obviously and you know obviously there are some situations where there are multiple DPs but more often than that it's just you and I thought about that and I'm like well that's that's a little sad like I understand it's a, a traditional you know a normal move in your career but it's a little sad because you do you you start to lose you can always you know watch movies and tv shows of other dps and other creators but being on set and seeing the gears move in a dp's head seeing why they're making decisions you know you only get that feeling on set and the idea that you'll you'll never see another person's approach on set as it's happening again i think it's kind of sad because i think it's you know we, we live in this this collaborative industry where you know so many ideas are thrown out there and you get to see these ideas evolve and change on set and, and not being able to see how other people would approach a similar a similar problem, a similar situation, I think is a little sad. Um, so I, I kind of hope that in some way I can always, you know, every once in a while I get to AC uh, so I can, you know, see a new DP, see how they, they will approach things, see how they work with their gaffer, how does the gaffer approach these things. Uh, but but, but long term, yeah m- moving into DP is, is what, I, what I, I do look forward to that. Um, I think that's going to be fun when I can make that transition.
1: That's so fun. That's a, that's a great way to look at it too. In, in full perspective of everything. So, uh, how do, how do people find you, man? How do people like connect with you? Yeah.
0: Um, the, the easiest way is you can find me on Instagram. I'm AC double underscore D I. So ACDI, um, really easy. Um, not, not ACDC ACDI.
1: DI. <laughs> There you go. No, I appreciate I appreciate you coming on this, man. And I know that you're going to be hosting a couple of these episodes yourself, but I'm glad that we got to spend some time just getting to know a little bit more about who you are and what you care about and what makes you take. Thank tick. you.
0: Yeah, it's been, been a great conversation. I look forward to talking further and hopefully working together in the future.
1: Man, that would be great. That wraps up this episode of the Focus Pooler at Work podcast. If you enjoyed this and would like to hear more, make sure you subscribe to hear each new episode as it drops. Also, if you would like to be a part of future episodes, feel free to reach out to info at focuspooleratwork.com. Thank you so much.